0: 6 and verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. You may be seated. Lord, give me one more day. That's what I want to talk about for the next few moments. Lord, give me one more day. Matthew 6 verse 11 may not carry as much weight unto us in terms of its pragmatism and reality as it would have to the first century Christians. We are a part of an age that is marred with the capability of reproducing, creating synthetic and microwaving, being able to do something on the instantaneous. We really don't have a great appreciation for the agrarian community, for those who labor at farming we really would not understand as those early Christians did what it means to have to depend on God for the rain to nourish the earth that it might bring forth your food in due season we can go to the store and purchase whatever we desire and it may have a brief Shelf life, but long enough for us to be satisfied, hopefully, in getting filled on whatever it is that we have purchased. But in that first century, they had no such luxury no refrigerators, no deep freezers, no microwaves, no processed, prepackaged food. Everything was organic, raw and had to be quickly disposed of once you decide to partake of it. We wouldn't know what it really means to have to depend on God every day for rain, for the earth, to yield forth its fruit in due season. I raise that point because as we approach the close of another year, as we come to the end of another decade in this new millennium, as we come to the final worship service in the year 2019, and as we transition into approaching the morning of a new decade, we do so out of diverse experiences, out of diverse conclusions and interpretations of another year's journey. Bob Bridges calls these experiences, peaks and valleys, what he calls moments of transitions in which across the spasm of the year, we had to decide if these moments would become Moments of tragedy or moments of transformation. We had to decide at some point either this will break me or this will make me. Some can boast this morning that we've survived the storm. As we come to the end of the year, it was a tumultuous year, and we can proudly say, I've survived the storm others may say i can't survive because as of right now i'm still in the midst of the storm then there are others we may need to just give a warning you don't know it but you are on your way to a storm either condition know for certain you can survive it and you can win within it. You just need to believe that that moment, although it's tragic, it's up to you to turn it into a moment of transformation. You have to, as Bridges says, transition that moment from darkness to light. Now I know the moment might suggest otherwise, but do yourself the favor and get down in your soul the value and the worth of the Word of God and particularly what Psalm 30 beginning in verse 1 has to say to you right now in the midst of where you are and I thought I'd read it for you out of Eugene Peterson's message Bible because the vernacular creates a shouting spirit in me as you identify With this language. Listen to what David says in Psalm 30, verse 1. Lord, I give you all the credit. Mm -hmm. And I I just thought right there, just for you to rewind in your mind just for a moment, you might want to think about from whom all blessings have flowed through the course of 2019. Oh, there ought to be a better praise right there. I mean, you really need to think about who actually has brought you safe thus far and David says God I give you all the credit listen to this that you have got me out of that mess now I don't know what mess that you might have been in and I don't know what mess that you may find yourself in but let's just think for a moment if it had not been for the gracious hand of God on your side that led you through the mess and now has gotten you out of the mess. David says, I thank you, God, for you have gotten me out of the mess and you didn't let my enemies gloat about where I was. Could have left you there, but he didn't. Could have allowed you to drown, but he didn't. Could have allowed you to go under, but he didn't. He brought you out and brought you over, brought you through. Now you are in this house today, tough year. And again, you may be in the midst of the storm, but you're able to still testify, God, thank you for bringing me where I am right now. Listen to what David says, God, I yelled out for help and you put me together. See, just think for a moment how you were in the midst of where you were, falling to pieces, coming apart, and yet your cry out to God reached out through various venues to help put your life back together. And David says, you put me back together, and here's one, this ought to be a shot, you pulled me out of the grave. See, you can't resonate with that until you have been close to death, until you have been close to a point where they said you would not make it, where you felt like you weren't going to make it. You were there. You were almost looking death right in his face, and God pulled you out from a space that desired to take you from where you were. And David said, you pulled me out, and you gave me another chance at life. Man, that's shouting news right there. Y'all should, be, y'all should be praising God because every day is another chance at life. You gave me another chance at life, says David, when I was down and out. Maybe that's some of our issue is we've probably never been down and out, so we don't know what this psalm is really resonating in the heart of David. But there's somebody in this room who's walked through these shoes with David and you know exactly what David means. And so David transitions after reflecting on his own life and says, all the saints, sing your hearts out to God. In other words, let your praise be known no matter who's looking, no matter what the observation may be, no matter what they say, Open your mouth and bless the Lord in the moment in which you have time to praise God. He says, give God praise. Thank him to his face. And then he said, God gets angry once in a while, but across a lifetime, God's only got love for you. He shifts from a praise mode to a parental mode. And you know how parents are at sometimes they can become angry and their discipline can be quite strenuous. But in its longevity, there's nothing but love that's being poured out. And in that famous verse, verse 5, Eugene Peterson translated this way, the nights of crying your eyes out are going to give way to days of laughter we understand that verse to say weeping may endure for a night but joy is coming in the morning that, that that's all Eugene Peterson saying you might be crying out now your eyes and your nights may be full of tears but if you hang out it's going to transition into laughter why, why this text, Pastor? Why are we wrestling with this word of Psalm 30? Well, because I know that the devil desires to exploit us. He wants to exploit you, which really leads to destruction. But God in return wants to expand you, to grow you, to multiply you, regardless of how you feel right now. The devil uses adverse moments to agitate us while God uses adverse moments to advance us, to move us ahead in life. What do I mean by that? Watch this. God takes adversity and he took the adversity of that first century Christian who in that prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, which may be mistitled, because it ought to be the disciples' prayer, because Jesus taught those disciples, here's a model in which you might want to pray and follow your life afterwards. Not Jesus. I don't need the prayer, but he needs the prayer. We need the prayer, says Jesus, and he says to us, when you pray, say, in those first century." Christians and disciples would have known what it meant to live in adverse moments, not knowing where the next meal would come from, not knowing what the next day would bring, not knowing how you would be treated in an age in which they were understandably saturated with exploitation, with people using them and misusing them and taking their gifts and exploiting them for their own selfish gain. We should know well about that in capitalism. How it's built on making sure that you take away from the have-nots whatever little they do have and add it to the haves. And in an age when they were being exploited, Jesus yet used their adversity. And God yet uses our adversity as a teaching moment a teaching moment because there are some things you cannot learn about life you cannot learn about God you cannot learn about yourself you cannot learn about your ethics until you are in a posture of learning and poverty will do that to you when you don't have it's amazing how you stop talking and start listening. It becomes a teaching moment because that's the way God can help us understand how he can not only grow our life but understand life is full of pressures. And you've gotta have pressures from time to time in order to grow. Thus being the reason why we learn so much from Elijah. Because Elijah realized Even though he's the prophet of God, God allowed pressure from Jezebel to squeeze his life to the point where he felt like having depression and bowing out. But he come to realize, what good would it do me to bow out if the God I serve takes care of me? It's a teaching moment, but it's also a thrusting moment. God takes these adverse moments and thrusts us in the mode of promotion. Ask the three Hebrew boys, and they'll tell you they never would have advanced in their journey had it not been for the furnace. Because in the furnace, they found out that they had to not only trust in themselves that they would survive, but they trusted in the God of their salvation who brought them out of the mess that they didn't even create and yet God was in the midst of that mess so much so that the king says when I looked in why did I not know that I threw three in there why do I see four? Because God is trying to suggest to the reader of the text you are never alone in the storm I just need you to trust that I'm right there with you in the storm and I'm thrusting you ahead for promotion. God also uses these adverse moments as tempering moments to make us stronger. Job says in Job 23.10 that when I am tried by God, I'll come forth like gold. But here's what Job was saying to us inadvertently. I never was really made until God turned the temperature up on me. And back to the Hebrew boys, it's God who works the thermostat. He allows the temperature to go as high as he desires it because God knows he controls the temperature of your journey. And he's going to make sure that in the shaping of you, he knows just how much heat you need to move you to where you need to be. It's a triumphant moment that God used for our adversity. He is teaching us by way of adversity that the victory is already won Isaiah 54, 17, he's helping us recognize no weapon created, formed by the enemy can prosper. Now, he didn't say he wouldn't bring it out against you. He didn't say you wouldn't have a hard time. He didn't say he wouldn't attack you. He just said no weapon formed against you will prosper. Let me read the text because y'all ain't believing me. Every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you got to read that closely, you will condemn. You, you, you don't get that, do you? Let, let me read again for you. I, I, I guess y'all, y'all don't read y'all Bible. That's y'all problem. Read your Bible. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And they. And their vindication, says God, is from me. Now God is saying, if I can get you in this adverse moment to understand, you're in it. Ain't no need to try to deny it. But I promise you, if you hold on to me, if you stick with me, keep your eye on me, trust me, no matter what weapon this adversity tries to form against you to bring you down, it won't prosper. You will be vindicated in the end, which simply means I'm going to win because I got a promise from God that I'm a winner no matter what happens. That's shouting news all by itself but God uses adversity as a toughening moment to strengthen my skin, to strengthen my character, to strengthen my demeanor for toughness. Every time I'm knocked down, he gets me back up because I'm too tough to lose. I'm courageous, I'm victorious, And I'm a conqueror. And as I listen to Jesus in this text, as we move toward this new year, here's a simple formula, a simple form that I don't have to wait until January 1, but I can implement it right now, says Jesus. Give us this day our daily bread. Thomas, uh, Walker headed it right when he gave us that, that wonderful spiritual gospel song, One Day at a Time. Sweet Jesus is all I'm asking of you. Lord, give me the strength to do everything that I have to do. Now watch what he says. Yesterday's gone. And tomorrow may never be mine but Lord for my sake help me to take one day at a time and let's just face it in reality that's all you got is just one day and I'm I'm just taking Jesus words in which he says to us Lord give us this day the daily bread we need to survive this day, not tomorrow. Yesterday is gone, but today I need whatever you got to give me, God. When you read that prayer, you notice there's a couple of major themes in the prayer, but here's two of them. One is prayer. When you read verses 5 through 10, Jesus sort of maximizes the need to understand how important it is to pray. And he says, don't be hypocritical in your prayer life. In other words, don't work to be seen by people who might brag that you are a prayer warrior. That means nothing, says Jesus. There are those who stand on the corner and who want to be seen, says Jesus. They have their reward now. But then he said, I want you to go into your secret closet. Now, if you were a first century Christian, you would know that Jesus did not mean that literally because there was no such thing as a secret closet in the house because the house wasn't big enough for a closet. In fact, it probably wasn't any more than a closet. But metaphorically, he says, I want you to pray out of your heart, out of your being. I want you to seek the face of God every day. Give us this day our daily bread and then following this theme is the second thing that I consider to be major forgiveness somehow Jesus links this forgiveness to the provision of daily bread because I think Jesus was saying you gonna need this part of your bread is gonna be forgiving bread You're going to need to learn how to share forgiveness with others because if you can't forgive, you're going to find it hard to understand that God's going to forgive you. So part of the daily bread is, Lord, help me to administer forgiveness because I am asking for your forgiveness because I know I haven't been all you wanted me to be today. I remember what I said, what I done, who I done it to, and even why I did it. Amen, lights. But he says, when you pray, seek the daily bread, but also forgiveness because you want the Father to forgive you. Now, watch the strange thing in this prayer because... It sort of moves in a very progressive state. It says, the subst- or the source, the source of our daily bread, in reality. Now we're going to argue that it comes from our occupation. That's how we make a living. I got it, says the text. But I think Jesus is saying, "Look deeper, look deeper." Look deeper as the source of provision because the same God that gives is the same God that can take away. The same God that allowed the door to be open is the same God that allowed that door to shut on you. The same God that put the right people in your path that gave you the promotion that puts you where you are now is the same God that can detour them to someone else. In other words, Jesus says, you need to remember who your source is from whom all blessings flow. And every day you get up, Jesus says, holler out, our Father who art in heaven Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us on earth what you got housed in heaven. Because I know where my source is. I know from whom all blessings flow. Yeah, I know God gave me. I know I got this job because I got a BA and because I got an MBA and because I got a PhD. And I know my credentials say a lot. But I also know underneath all of that, if it had not been for the source, (laughs) our Father who art in heaven, not just the source but look at what the text says there are those who understand gratitude that we call seekers they're going to seek god because look at the text says give us look at it closely the next line not only give us this day But look what it says Forgive us Lead us And deliver us In other words the seekers in the text recognize That if it hadn't been for God's graciousness That not only gives me the bread But also forgive me when I'm wrong But also leads me God Almighty guide me along the way. Lord, if you lead, I cannot strain. Lord, help me to walk each day with you. Y'all ain't got no, you got to get some spirituality in you when you listen. That's why you need to know your spirituals, your hymns. That's why you can't forget the hymns, because they got deep theology. I need God to lead me. And I tell you what, when your back has been against a wall long enough, and you've been laid out long enough, and you've been hurt enough, and you've been disappointed enough, you know what it means to be led by God. Israel had to learn that the hard way, 38 years of being led in the wilderness, and they had to hold on, grandma I'm say to God's unchanging hand. Build your hope on things eternal. Give us seekers. Forgive us. Lead us. And you have to be willing to admit what a mess your life was in when you understand deliver us. I'm just, I'm just thinking for a moment. I, thinking about some of the mess I have been in. That's that kind of mess that you don't tell nobody about. You don't want nobody to find out. You got it locked up, locked down, buried away. You got it welded in a box in the closet. That's the bones that you don't want anybody to see but he delivered you. Deliver us. Watch this. There's the source, our father. There is the seeker, deliver us. Then there's the substance, daily bread. I not only need daily bread of forgiveness, but watch this, I need daily bread of patience. Of peace, of understanding, of faith, of trust, of endurance, of perseverance. You can't look at me like you spiritually high right now. I know, I know some of you. you you're in the dungeon, you're in the darkness, you're in the depths of tribulation, and you better be crying out, Lord, deliver me. But I need your provision, God, in this dark moment to keep me pushing on. That's what he means by daily substance. But then there's a schedule. Every day. No, every day. I need it every day. Lord, give me another day. I need your help every day we run this temptation of when we see that life is shifting and it runs in a good space for us we forget about who made that possible we forget that God didn't just give it for that one day but there's a provision of it every day Even if I have to wake up to a disaster, there's a reason why I'm able to wake up. Even if I have to wake up to another dark moment in which I'm looking for light, there's a reason why I'm alive to search for light one more time. It's called purpose. It's purpose that God has something that he's working out in me, and it just behooves me to sort of grasp The idea that instead of being a loser or counting myself out in this race, I'm going to go ahead and grasp for the victory. And I'm going to believe that I'm coming out at some point in time. The weeping might be in the night right now, but I got to believe that joy is on its way. It's got my name written all over it. In the morning. In the meantime, I need God's provision of bread every day. If you drive I 95, you need something every day. If you ride a VRE, you need something every day for that long ride. You do the metro, you need something. In fact, you interact with people, you need something every day. And here it is. Give us this day our daily bread. And what's the purpose? Strength. God is creating strength in me. Listen to this prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we get our debtors, lead us not to temptation but deliver us from evil. And the last line is not in the text, it's not in the original text, but it sounds good, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. It's the way the writer seems to say to us that you need God and God is purposing his strength in your life so that daily you get a chance to tap into a source that gives you all the power that you need. And when you come to the end of your day's journey, you got to think sometime to yourself, man, it's been a rough day, but if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I realized I could not have made it, but God, I thank you. I got through another day. And Lord, that's why I need you to give me another day. Three things and I'm done. Why? For... As I come to the new year, Lord, I recognize I need you every day. And right now, God, help me to start refocusing. Help me to start refocusing my life to get it back on track where it was meant to be. See, 360 plus days a year, uh, we've gone through the whole year and... And we've, 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 we've been up and down, we've gotten off track, and, and we've, we've decided it because it's so bad. I, ain't, I didn't come to church this Sunday, didn't go next Sunday, didn't go next month, didn't go next. We're all off track. And Jesus is saying, when you get this daily bread, one of the reasons why I gave it to you, so you can refocus your life back on track. Let me give you a little piece of advice. You, you may not see it now, but you listen to me closely. You need church. I don't care what's going on in your church. Listen to me. I don't care what's going on in your church. As long as the word of God is being preached, you need church. You need the word. Don't don't tell me anything about I can get I can get that on the internet on TV. No you can't. You can't get on TV what you get live. And what you get live is another human body sitting right next to you who has its own tribulation and trial, who's going through its own difficulty, but who also has a testimony and who can put real arms around you and who can sit beside you and pray and who can help you persevere. You need church to help you refocus your life. Nah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of all these life coach people and all that. that, that that's, that's, for me, I got a problem with too many people in my business. I'm amazed at how we go to other people but won't go to the book. You want everybody else to read your life but you don't want the book to read it. Boy, y'all got quiet on me that I knew you would. Come on, refocus and stop going where you're being entertained. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't entertaining you. You already know that. Y'all been with me long enough, 20 years, no, I ain't entertaining. I'm empowering you. That's what I'm meant to do, empower you. And that's what keeps your life focused in the space. And when you feel like it's getting off, remember the word. Listen to Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, give me the daily bread so I can refocus. But watch this. Secondly, Lord, give me your daily bread so I can remove. One of the reasons why your life was a mess this year and mine, because we let some stuff stay in where it didn't have any business being there. We let some people hang out with us. We permitted some stuff that we knew that God had delivered us from to come back in. And you need to remove. Listen to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12 and 1. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin. Now that, that's a word we don't like to talk about much in church. Because in modern church, there's no such thing as sin. It's just a misappropriation of behavior. That's a clinical definition, no. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, I just want to warn you, but the Bible says the wages, because sin does pay you. You want a job? Sin will pay you. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God. And when you start laying aside every weight and sin that do it so easily gets you off track and then that verse says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen to that language. The author, the creator who writes my life story, and then the finisher who provides what I need to finish the race. God, help me to remove what I don't need to have in my life. I, uh, Listen to my grandmama, she prayed that thing. Uh, what's that word? Lord, is he moving from heart to heart and breast to breast? Remove that which keeps me from glorifying you. Oh, it's almost in Psalm 51. Uh, David says, Lord, my sin is ever before me, creating me a clean heart, renewing me the right spirit. Before I get to 2020, God, help me to remove some stuff. And help me to remove some people. Oh, let me see if I can do. I got children here. I can't tell you what I really want to tell you. <laughs> some people you just, you know, there's a, there's a good way, a righteous way to write people out. That might not be the right word, but anyway, that's what I got. Here it is. Um, uh, Sometimes you you just have to inform people. You know, right now, you in my space is not working. Uh, Friendship is supposed to be about help. And right now, you're a hindrance. Um... This is for single folk, and I guess married people too. Uh, you you hooked up in these relationships with this guy or this lady who, eye observation was candy, looked good, delicious. Personality wise, hmm, and. Remember, if you hang around it long enough, it just seems to rub off on you, contagious. In other words, you gotta remove that stuff. Sometimes people are like mold. And you know mold don't immediately, often has its effect. It's longevity, long-term and some people. Lord, give us this day the daily bread. Wisdom. Yeah. There's a third thing. Lord, give me this day the daily bread to reshift. One reason why we struggled again is because we had the wrong priority. Priorities are wrong. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, I think there's some real gut wrenching truth in Matthew 6 and 33 I think it is. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things shall be added unto you. There is something that Jesus I think is saying about making God the priority. What does that mean to Pastor? because you know the real world is I got to go to work every day yada yada yada. I, I got that but does your day begin with your king? Does it begin with Familiar language, our Father. Give me this day. Because I need to reshift some things in my life, God, where I come now to realize that Sunday is not always my time to have a good time. I'm going old school in now, at least not until I go to church. Come on now, y'all know. You go into church first, then go out and sin. But first, you go to church. Come on, come on, now. Let's 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 just keep it real. Come on, come on. Y'all know I, I you know I'm telling the truth. You go into church first. Why? Because if I go to church before I sin, my consciousness arises. Come on now. See you. Y'all trying to play with me? You know. Listen to me. Listen. I not born. Listen. I wasn't born last night. I was born at night, but not last night. I know this game, I'm only 58 in numbers but trust me, part more like 78 in experience. Oh, I've done a lot of stuff, I mean I, I ain't no fool, part of that is going to church on Sunday so I can get my happiness on But then realizing when I'm getting ready to do what I know I ain't got no business doing, something happens in my mind. Something reminds me, you sure you want to do that? Because what God is trying to say is, I need for you to put yourself back in the right priorities. And remember, I'm number one. And I don't always do that. And neither do you. Try to look at me. Y'all know I. you can't look at me like that, man. I know this deal. Reshift me, God. Give us this day, because if I get caught up in some of the day's activity of the world, Lord, I'll lose the priority of having you first. All right, I see that. Hurry up, Pastor. I got it on your face. So here's my last point. Lord, give us this day our daily bread to rediscover. What Do you want to rediscover, Pastor? My passion for life. My passion for life. And I'm here to tell you, when I find out and rediscover my passion for God, then I discover my passion for life. When John gives this word to the seven churches of Asia Minor, there's something that's always stuck in my mind when he spoke to the church at Ephesus. I want you to listen to this. It, it, it's a crazy thing, and, and yet I, I think it says a lot to us. Let me see if I can find the text. Here it is right here. L- listen to what he says. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Listen to this. Yet, yet I got one thing against you. Translation, you don't love me like you used to. There it is right there in Revelation chapter 3 verse 4. I have this against you that you have left your first love. So John says that Jesus says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. See, that sounds like a cliche that we think when we keep telling you if it had not been or when I think about the goodness, listen, that ain't a cliche, that's a reality. That's the text trying to remind us, don't forget from where you have fallen because if you remember... You don't want to go back to that state. Listen to what it says. Remember from where you have fallen, repent, and do the deeds you did at first. So, Lord, help me rediscover my passion for your word. When I first got saved, I would read that word every day, no matter what. But then life started to evolve. I permitted life's evolution to start blocking my time with you. And as a result, I haven't opened my Bible in years. Help me to rediscover to be in love with you again. I used to pray all the time, God I mean, I used to spend adequate time with you And adequate is whatever you make it But I used to spend my time with you But Lord, because of life again I'm so busy, I'm so important Everybody knows my number They're forever calling me every five minutes I'm the big cheese at the bar, at the job Everybody got to talk to me I just don't have the time In fact, when I get off work, Lord I'm so concentrated I'm trying to get home through the busy highways And by the time I get home and eat I've got to go to sleep and God I have yet to spend a moment with you and Jesus says you don't love me like you used to the thrill is gone help me to rediscover the thrill of being in love with you Lord give us this day our daily bread rediscover I gotta get this last one just came to me and Lord give me the daily bread to relaunch relaunch my life out into the deep to be willing to go out and to wait for you to lead me to the great catch that's, that's what Jesus did with Peter they had toiled and they came into the shore and and Jesus says, go back out. And Peter says, Lord, we've been done this thing. Listen, don't forget, we are professional fishermen. We know how to fish, spurl, and we, we know exactly when they're going to come up. They're not biting tonight. night. They don't need of us wasting time. We've wasted enough time. Jesus said, just launch out into the deep. Relaunch means I got to get a hold of Peter's usage of the conjunction. Nevertheless, at your word. Read the story when you go back out there. They not only capture fish, but more than enough, all because they relaunched their journey from the shore. So much so that they had to summons others at shore. Come, come on out here and get some of this fish, man. We can't hold it all. Which is the directive of life, says God. I gave you what you get more than enough someone else who's at the shore who may not can launch into the deep isn't that something about life God gives us what we have so that we can share it with someone else who may never understand about launching into the deep but yet God says I want you to help them bless them read the prayer in fact, read Matthew 6 in its entirety and you'll hear something in these opening verses and you'll hear that Jesus was saying that you're never going to escape the poor. You will always have poverty among you. But there's a reason why some of you are going to advance more in life than others and I want you to remember that when you do that, don't forget from whom all blessings flow and it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know what, it doesn't always mean a numerical number. It doesn't always have to be, I gave somebody a $500 coat instead of a $25 coat. What it means is, I gave them a coat. It doesn't have to have a brand name on it. It needs to serve a purpose. That's why Jesus says if they want your clothing, give them the rest of your clothing. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. My old colleague, mentor, Dr. William Augustus Jones, used to say his friends would always criticize him, saying, Bill, you give people too much stuff. You're forever giving stuff to people. Stop giving away so much stuff. And Dr. Jones said, he look at him and say, but have you noticed I always have it to give? And then he says, he closes in case they come back with another and say, I give it away because I have to make room for that which is on the way. That's what God is trying to tell us in the giving of provision daily because there's somebody else who needs what we have along the way. i close with this story. It's it's a short one. Uh, My wife has this person who calls her every day and all day. If it was a man, I tell you, we'd have a problem. But it's a young lady. And I mean, up until she goes go to sleep at night. And I, when I see the phone, I'm thinking, does that girl have a life at all on her own? No. But, you know, Barbara is Barbara, and Barbara, is, Barbara has this gift of helps. That, that's her, that's her, her anointing in life. People can gravitate to her. They don't gravitate to me, but they gravitate to her. She has this demeanor that makes you feel welcome. And this young lady, I don't think has a mother or father. I think her parents are deceased. Yeah. No brother, no sister. No. And gravitated to Barbara like a daughter to a mother. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she called. I want to answer the phone and ask her, let me ask you a question. Um, Did not you just see Barbara at work about 30 minutes ago? You couldn't ask her what you had to ask her then, but you got to ask her now. But as I kept thinking about this sermon, her, her, her uh, image came to me, I kept saying, now I see why. Because Barbara's daily provision is compassion, and her cup runneth over. And this young lady comes to her every day with an empty cup. Ms. Murphy inadvertently, Ms. Murphy can I just hold my cup out so you can pour some more of your passion and compassion in me? Can I just have the. And, and Barbara, sure. Just dump it right on. And if you need any more, call me. And she calls. But isn't that what God called us to do? Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. This is the Holy Spirit. I tell you I'm really dumb, told me to tell you. This is the reason why the Bible in Hebrews says, be careful the way you treat people because you may be entertaining an angel (laughs) unaware. And I got to thinking, maybe I should stop saying she gets on my nerves, that might be an angel. or God's way of saying, no, you might need to take a lesson from Barbara, which probably is more the right interpretation. Learn from Barbara. Give us this day. I don't know what her prayer is, but at least for this one young lady I know, it's the provision of compassion. And she gets it every day. Lord, move us. As we come to the close of